I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to Off The Beaten Track podcast. How you all doing? It's another week, therefore it's another episode. And today's episode, I get to sit down with Neil Jones of Stone Foundation and you're in for a treat because it's an absolutely wonderful chat. Um, we talk about the new record. We talk about recording that record at Paul Weller Studios, uh, their relationship with Paul, and 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 so much other stuff. It's uh, it's it's a wonderful chat. This one. And and before we get on to it, just a few thank yous quickly. Uh, thank you to Scrooby's Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. Uh, thank you to Seventy Six for producing this podcast. And if this is your first time. Uh, listening to Off The Beaten Track. Uh, once you finish listening to this uh, conversation, then have a look in the back catalogue because um, you'll have access to go and listen to uh, my chats with the likes of, blimey, where to start? Steve Craddock, um, Mark Baxter, Mick Talbot of the Style Council, um, some of the artists that we talk about during this podcast, artists like um, Chuck D, Fatboy Slim. Uh, so go and have a, a rummage in the archives once you've finished listening to this episode and if if you even want more content then um and you'd like to support the podcast then there's a patreon page and uh, each week i put up four shows where i play records and talk and and i put up some exclusive uh interview episodes as well and some video episodes and you can support that for about 87p a week i think and get a big bundle of content there um and so any kind of support on that side of things is amazing because this is a a labor of love um Anyway, um, let's get back to uh, today's episode. And uh, yeah, strap yourselves in. It's a wonderful chat, this. Um, please enjoy Off the Beaten Track with Neil Jones of the Stone Foundation. It's Off the Beaten Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me, Stu Whiffin. We're recording. Um, I'm joined today, Neil Jones. Hello. Hello, mate. How you doing? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Um, so we've already had a, a quick chat. We've got lots of mutual friends. And uh, and so I'm, I'm looking forward to this. You've sent me the tracks in advance. So uh, I've had a, a little look through them. And there's some, uh, there's some choice records there. Um, and before we get on to, to, to talking records, I just want to know how you found the last uh, seven, eight months um, as, a, as a human and a, and a creative. <laughs> um, it's been... It's been different. It's been challenging, but also I can't. I think we've sort of got the the most out of it, really. I mean, 
when this all began, I was sat at home with my mum and dad, actually. I was down in Cornwall. I'm back at my place now. But I was in Cornwall and I thought to myself, we can either stay in our little hutches and do nothing throughout this entire thing or we can get sort of proactive and get some music out to people because I, I was seeing all my social media threads and realising just how much people were struggling through some of this, you know. So we had this idea that we'd start putting on these online events, online Stone Foundation events, um, which kind of culminated in this sort of festival where we um, we did like an acoustic stage. So we basically got in touch with all the people who we collaborated with on our records over the years. And I couldn't believe the response, Stu. It was mental, like how many people got back. We had, on this one day, we had people send us all these acoustic tracks. We had Graham Parker, Paul Weller. We had Linville Golding out the specials. Amy Stewart out the Average White Band. All these people were sending us these little videos of them doing acoustic uh, things. So we put on this sort of Stone Foundation and Friends Festival Day, um, which was just an unbelievable success, really, you know. Um, and... I'm just so glad we did. I'm so glad we didn't sit on our hands throughout it all. We, we sort of uh, found some footage from tours in Japan and Germany. And we put on these like sort of online events where people could come together and uh, interact really with each other. And it was such an uplifting uh, thing, really. We do, we do one a month, essentially. And um, it was just lovely to give people something uh, during a time when they just had nothing, because like as you as you well know, music is like it's like a medication, isn't it, man? If we if we haven't got that, we've kind of we're missing a big part of our life, you know. So it was important for us to do that kind of thing. What an incredible thing to do, and you know, I mean, just just to throw it in there, yeah, yeah. Paul Weller sent a song over. I mean, <laughs> I mean, how good's that? I mean, you know, that's. Um, I mean, I, I'm, 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 I'm quite aware he's, he's, he's a fan, isn't he? I, I, I know. Yeah, that yeah, Paul, well, the last, yeah. The last three records we recorded at Paul's place, um, and obviously, whenever we're in there, he always jumps on our uh, on our stuff. Like he sang on the last record on uh, the track "Deeper Love," and uh, he's always like a kid in a sweet shop when he's got other musicians in his studio. He's like, all of a sudden, he's on your shoulder going. I can hear a bit of piano on this, Jamesy. I can hear a bit of guitar on this. I mean, I, I'm like, yeah, go on, and go on, have a go. Um, so, like, that's really cool. But yeah, it was just, it was just really nice, really, because we we knew we had the new record in the bag. So that was coming out, sort of, well, it came out last month, and so we knew that was kind of ready and waiting to go. And we just thought we need to do stuff for people here because, like, you know. I was seeing some of the some of the comments from people were like really desperate during the early months of it all. I thought we need to put some music on for people because everyone's struggling and uh, and it, it just seemed to do the trick. It really sort of gave gave some positivity in a dark in a dark situation, you know. Oh, wonderful! What a great thing to do. Well, you touched on the fact that that you know in this in this weird time music's clearly a positive and definitely something that people take comfort in so um so let's start today's playlist and for track one mate i'm going to ask you um what song you regard as having the greatest ever intro right so i chose uh i chose talk talk the rainbow um the reason i chose this i know i know you messaged me straight away well, yes beautiful <laughs> Um, the reason I chose this, I think as I was getting into my um, 20s, uh, this record was played to me by Neil Sheesby, who I, I, write, I write the songs with in, uh, in Stone Foundation. 
And uh, I just remember it having an incredibly profound effect on me. I I think the mood, um, when, I, when I was played, it had everything to do with the impact it had on me. I remember like low candlelight. I remember a possible uh, sort of Fatima Whitbread javelin in my hand at the time. <laughs> um, and I just remember thinking, this is the most incredible thing I've ever heard in my life. You know what I mean? It, it just sounded like cinema music to me, but but like um, created by a genius, which I think Mark Ollis was really. Uh, and uh, I, 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 go on, mate. No, sorry. go on, carry on. No, I was gonna. I was gonna say because it all kind of culminated in. I remember about two years after it was played to me, we ended up supporting Nine Below Zero in um, in Liverpool, and Mark Felton was playing uh, as he does with with Nine Below Zero. Funnily enough, our trumpet player Dave does a bit with them occasionally, and uh, me and Sheeves went straight up to him and started talking to him about this record. And he thought we were going to talk about Oasis or something like that, you know what I mean? Or playing on what he's played on millions of things. And he was like, you know that record? And we were like, yeah, it's absolutely incredible. I mean, the opening bars yeah. on his on his harmonica are incredible. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, regarding that intro, I don't know when the intro becomes the song. It's, yeah, uh, exactly. it's so gradual, isn't it? And it's so beautiful that before anything happens, you, I think you're just lost in it by the time anything starts to gather any sort of pace. Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely, absolutely. I think there's a, there's like weird elements to it as well. There's like a, a sort of noise, which to me sounds like a rotary speaker or something where you can hear like a clicking thing going on. It's just, it's just incredibly atmospheric. And I think... I was just so lucky to be played that at a time when I could appreciate it. Do you know what I mean? I'd gone through my early teens listening to certain music and then as I came into my 20s, I think I was ready for, like, proper grown-up music yeah. then. You know what I mean? That's that's what that, that's what that record is for me. It's a proper grown-up record. It's, it's definitely a grown-up record. That's, that's such a brilliant way to explain it because... You know, I, I grew up obsessed with, you know, growing up in sort of, you know, Basildon and, and, and Essex, you know, grew up obsessed with, I mean, Talk Talker from Essex um, and, and, and you know, growing up fiercely proud of, you know, your Depeche Modes and your, your Vince Clarks and your, your you know, your Hollises. It was like, and, and I was just obsessed with all the early stuff and I still absolutely adore early Talk Talk. I think like, you know, that the, the pop stuff is, is yeah, yeah. incredible music. Uh, and then seeing the kind of, performance at the montreal rock festival where they were playing give it up and i remember thinking yeah. oh this sounds a bit more kind of grown up and then by the time you get the spirit it's like whoa okay this is different <laughs> level now and like there are it is it's, it's you know you, you you can clearly see that band maturing you know with every yeah. album and, and i think you know for a good 10 15 years you know when you know after talk talk had stopped you know, producing music, they weren't getting the respect they deserved. And it feels the last sort of, you know, five, ten years, all of a sudden bands are referencing Talk Talk and they're getting that that kind of, you know, respect that they deserve because they're an absolutely phenomenal outfit. Yeah, incredible, mate, incredible. I mean, uh, it's funny you mentioned the Montreux thing because the two things that, I mean, touring, remember touring? When, when did we do that? <laughs> About a year and a half ago. But whenever we'd, uh, we tour a lot in Europe and whenever we went on the long journeys through sort of Europe, the two 
DVDs that would be uh, mainly on repeat in the in the van would be the Talk Talk one live at Montro and the Average White Band. They were the two Montro videos that we'd always put on, uh, you know, on repeat. Nice. And, uh, yeah, just just an amazing band and quite quite incredible, really, when you watch them live. Try and replicate some of that stuff. Mm. It's pretty uh, pretty phenomenal, really. Yeah. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Definitely. For track two, I'm going to ask you the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please. Right, okay. I'm going to I, – I had to think – this was the one I had to think long and hard about because I was really fortunate that I grew up um, in such a loving family with a dad who had such a great record collection. And, like, I could have picked a number of tunes. I was thinking, do I pick Steely Dan? Because, like, he was always playing Steely Do I, do I pick, like – Rory Gallagher is massive. The Beatles were huge uh, for me when I was growing up as a kid. But the one song um, that always kind of resonates with me is Gallows Pole by Led Zeppelin. And the reason being, I, I two, two reasons actually. One was the incredible cover because as a kid, it had the kaleidoscope cover that you could uh, – turn round like the, the the wheel disc thing which i thought was ace as a kid and i remember playing with that under 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 correct supervision obviously because <laughs> we dad would flip me around the ears but uh, i remember playing with that and i also uh, remember really vividly my dad singing the lyrics and when you're a little kid and you're like looking at your old man singing it's quite it's quite a, an emotive thing really you think he really loves this. You know, like when you see someone singing with their eyes shut and they're really getting into something. And I, I have this incredibly fond memory of seeing my dad do that when I was a little lad, you know what I mean? And, and I think it just stuck with me. Um, and also, what an f- absolutely incredible yeah. band Led Zeppelin were as well, you know. Which I, I'm, I can I can imagine now all the all the mods who follow our band going, no, but that's not bad. <laughs> but they were just a great band, a great rock and roll band. What what was the emotion you got seeing your dad sitting there singing away? It it it, 
it's kind of uh, it connects with you in the sense where you think um, there's something here that's moving someone to to voice their sort of feelings about. It. So you can you can see, can't you, when someone loves music. Music is such like uh, an incredible sort of international language in the sense that whether you're a little boy or you're growing up in, I don't know, France or Africa or wherever you're growing up, it's the connection's just there from birth, isn't it, with music, whether your mum's singing to you a lullaby as a kid or whether you're around it as like a three, four-year-old, which I would have been, you know, there's pictures of me wearing these ridiculously mad earphones when I was a little kid with a, a sort of Rudy Voller haircut I had. Nice. <laughs> so um, where, where was you then? Where, where was home then? So we, I grew up in Tamworth. So I was, all, all my family's from Birmingham, as you can probably gather from the dulcet <laughs> tones, mate. Yeah. Um, so all my all my family's from Birmingham, Ward End and Acox Green. That's where they sort of grew up. But then I was born in Sutton Coalfield, and my all my informative life I grew up in Tamworth. Really, that was that was where where I grew up, which was you know it was all, it was all right, man. It was quite a it was quite a nice childhood, you know, growing up around there. The sort of an overspill of Birmingham, really. Yeah. Well, well let's talk growing up then, because um, for track three, I'm going to ask you. Um, about the song that reminds you of your time at school, please. Right, okay. So I am going to pick Soothe Me by Sam and Dave. And this is probably, I would say, there's a couple of things that probably influenced me. I know we're going to get onto something else in a bit, but this was one of the things that sort of just drew drew my attention to the soul soul thing, really. I, used, I had a best mate at school called Paul Chadwick, um, Chad as he was affectionately called. And then we used to spend, I I remember we used to spend like evenings or afternoons after school. We'd go back to his and we'd find our way up into his bedroom and he would have nicked a load of his dad's vinyl. (laughs) He was one of the first lads I know who had like the MIDI system, you know, where you you had the vinyl all built in. So we'd like play vinyl and we'd make these mixtapes um, and literally his dad was like, he had this incredible blues and soul collection. So, you know, we'd be playing like Sam Cooke, Otis Redding, uh, Marvin Gaye, all these, all these things that we'd find. Um, and I just remember this being one of those tunes that as soon as I heard it, I just, I think it was the first time I heard people sing and I thought I'd love to make music like that. I'd love to sing like that, you know, that, that uh, emotion that you get with soul music. And in, in, in that track in particular, that really sort of fired my imagination. And it, uh, I think really good soul music, especially from that period, it takes you to a time and place, doesn't it? It, it, yeah. it, it takes you across the ocean, really. It's so weird that you mentioned Sam Cooke then, because mm. I heard Sam Cooke sing that first. Ah, right, OK. Yeah, like, yeah, have you heard his version of that? Yeah, I have. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful. I, 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 I just love I, I, I love the Sam and Dave one because of the um, because of the comparisons in the vocal, the yeah. way that they both bounced off each other, and and the moodiness of it. And I mean, it, it also fired my lifelong love affair with like Memphis Soul as well. You know what I mean? I, I, I um, I've been so fortunate over the years to become good friends with a lot of musicians in Memphis. I've done loads of road trips to America where I just wanted to go to the place where the music was made. You know what I mean? Um, so like I've been to like Royal studios. I've, I've like met 
I mean, the, the wounder of this year, Stu, is that this was the year I was meant to be going to Royal Studios to record at uh, Boo uh, Mitchell's place, Willie Mitchell's son. He still runs Royal Studios, so there was a few of us going out to record this year in June, and uh, all the flights got cancelled. Oh, mate. <laughs> so it was, it was like one of, it was one of those years um, where we were set to do something really special um, but ho- hopefully it might come around again. I know you've had Mick on, Mick Talbot. Mick Talbot was going to be involved. And, oh, uh, really? We were, yeah, we were going to do some really interesting stuff out there. But, you know, that, that hopefully will come come to fruition again. But, yeah, it was just the track that fire, fired a, a, a sort of lifelong love affair with Stax as well. I mean, I've been to the, the recreated Stax studio a few times and, and that's... That is an incredible experience. That is that's probably one of the only musicians at uh, museums I've been in where I've actually cried. <laughs> wow! Because it's such, such a powerful place to be. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, just touching on, on on school a little bit before we move on. Like, how, how, how was it? Did you enjoy it? I hated school. <laughs> I hated it, mate. I um. I, I was never one of the cool kids at school. I was like one of the kids that I would have to try and make someone laugh so I didn't get my head kicked in. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, anyway, I know I exactly like, what you mean, mate. There were, there, were certain, there were certain parts of our school before they did it up. I, I'd say first, second, third year. And then they put a load of money into school, into, into the school. Uh, Wilnicott High School I went to, mate. Uh, its uh, most famous uh, pupil, I believe, was uh, Julian Cope. There oh, really? Yes, there you go. There's, uh, there's a little bit of inside information. Because I remember, I remember sort of mentioning something about music to the careers advisor, and she told me this story about a young lad called Julian Cope saying he wanted to be a musician, and, and she saying to him, well, you'll never amount to anything, and then she saw him on top of the box. <laughs> <laughs> so... So, yeah, so it, it was, uh, yeah, the first three years, I remember there were certain areas where, you, as a young kid, you would not go down a certain corridor because you know you'd be in severe trouble, you know what I mean? It was, a, it, yeah, it was a bit of a strange one for me. I didn't really sort of get all that. I went to college and university afterwards, and I loved that. I, that was when I came out myself more. But at school, now nah, I weren't one of the cool kids at school uh, by a long chalk. Was you a creative kid, though? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I loved art. I, I always, I was always into my sport. I either wanted to be a professional footballer or uh, or a musician, basically. Or to be honest, I was into my acting as well. I, I went to um, went to acting uh, school after after school. You know what I mean? To to some of the clubs there, and I played at the Birmingham Repertory Theatre when I was a little lad in uh, our day out. I think it was the Willie Russell yep. play, and. Um, yeah, I did loads of stuff like that when I was a kid. So I loved I loved all of that sort of thing. But, um, yeah, it was just the other side of it, mate. It was, you know, I, I'm, I, I hope school's changed a bit now. Yeah. But when I was a kid, it was very much you had kids who would, like, sort of maraud around the school and you'd sort of give them a wide berth because they were sort of the hierarchy of the, yeah. of the kids who would literally deck you. Yeah. <laughs> It's always the ones that gave them the wide berth that turn out to have the more interesting lives, though. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, mate, absolutely, yeah. I think, I think when you look back at things and you look back at, um, 
I mean, social media is a great sort of barometer for that, isn't it? You look at the social media sometimes and you see some of the kids who used to give you a good hiding. Um, and they're the lads who were uh, who sort of, I don't know, they've, they've sort of lost their way a little bit in life. Do you know what I mean? And uh, I, I sometimes view those people and think, so it wasn't all that good, really, was it? Sticking yeah. me head down the toilet. <laughs> totally, totally. You know what I mean? Not that I had that done. I didn't have that done. <laughs> I, I escaped that, but I knew kids who did have that done. <laughs> it's so weird. That was the thing that, like, when I went uh, into secondary school, it was like, yeah, you know, like, on your birthday, like someone will flush your head down the toilet. And I was like, what? And, like, I don't think... I ever heard anyone actually get their head flushed down the toilet. I it didn't happen to me, but I remember it was one of the things going into secondary school. I was petrified that like it was just part of school. I, I was gonna have my yeah. head flushed down the toilet. <laughs> Maybe it was part of urban myth. I don't know, but like, I mean, I, I remember probably the worst thing that happened to me. I remember getting cornered in one of the. Uh, in one of the corridors and being absolutely hammered with stink bombs. Remember stink bombs? <laughs> yeah. And I remember I had this rather tasty uh, grey, um, uh, well, it looked like a life preserver, <laughs> and that just got absolutely hammered. And I had to chuck it, I mean, mum had to chuck it away because that was it ruined, basically, <laughs> woven into the fabric. <laughs> that, that that was the day, that was back in the day when like one of the coolest places you could ever go to was a joke shop. You could go in a oh, joke gosh, shop yeah. and buy stink bombs and like snap its and you know plastic dog turds. It was like it was just amazing a joke <laughs> shop. <laughs> Never see them anymore. Um, okay, well let's let's stay back in those um, formative years, mate. And for track four, I'm going to ask you uh, the first song you remember buying from a record shop. Okay, yeah, I um, well I remember I remember my mom and dad got me a said MIDI. Uh, hi-fi player, you know, we were talking about them earlier, and that was that was like the best uh, Christmas present ever. I remember unwrapping that, and they bought me the first uh, seven-inch. They bought me was Nana Cherry Buffalo Stance. Oh, what a record! The, I know that was the first seven-inch I got bought, but um, as soon as I, you know, had the the MIDI board for me, I thought, right, I need to get to a record shop, and I remember the first actual vinyl seven I bought was a flip A side. I actually preferred the double A rather than the single A. It was by Della Soul and uh, it was Three's the Magic Number. But the flip side, there was a slightly different version from the record on, on Three Feet Iron Rising. It was a version of Buddy. And it obviously had Tribe Called Quest on there and all... Uh, everyone. Queen on there, yeah. Everyone was on there. Um... Yeah. All, all, those, all those guys, the Jungle Brothers... They were all on that track, and um, I just remember I absolutely battered that seven inch. Yeah. It's still somewhere behind me here as well. Actually, I've kept that for that. That that's always at the top of the pile. You know what I mean? I'm going to give like, you a little zoom high five there, man, because that is my absolute favourite Dayla song. Uh, Dayla song as well, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Buddy's but, um, the, it's where it's all about, buddy. That's such a tune, and it, it kind of thought- gets overlooked. Yeah, I love the intro. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I say what? <laughs> love all that stuff. It's brilliant, man. And um, but yeah, I just I I think that as, as I was alluding to earlier with the soothe me thing with Sam and Dave, I was I was hearing like stuff that was actual soul music. But then when I got into hip hop, funnily enough, me and my mate Chad both sort of uh, gravitated from hearing his old man's records, soul and funk 
going into the hip hop thing and then thinking, where did they get that sample from? Yeah. Or where, where's that come from? You know, when you're in all these great loops and, and that then fired your imagination to think, I need to find out where that, where's that come from? You know what I mean? And then when you start realizing that it's like the JBs and uh, all the influences that were, were being used, it's, uh, it's incredible, man. Yeah. And, and, and you know, Props to Three Feet I Am Rising. What a mental, mental and amazing record that is. And yeah. just a, a game changer, you know. I mean, you mentioned all them artists uh, that are on Buddy. That whole kind of Daisy Age hip-hop scene was just, it yeah. just felt so different from, you know, and I'm, I'm taking nothing away from, you know, the the, the likes of, you know, uh, Rakim and, and, and Public Enemy and stuff like that. But yeah. all of a sudden there was just this really kind of like lazy sounding hip-hop that sat so nicely with what was going on in the uk with you know the kind of the the roses and the mondays that whole baggy yeah. thing it was just that second summer of love baylor just seemed to slide into that perfectly like yeah oh, really. wonderful album. i mean i mean in- inspirational really when when you've got guys hearing like all the notes and thinking i could sample that and, yeah. you know what i mean it's just, it was it was incredible, really, to hear some of that. I mean, I, I was really, like you say, I was really into hip-hop in general. I think that that uh, particular period of hip-hop, where you're looking at, like, Run DMC, Public Enemy, uh, EPMD, Booyah Tribe, Big Daddy Kane, all these incredible, it was like Ice-T, all those guys. It was just an incredible period of music, man. It was so creative. I, me and Cheese were talking about the... Um, uh, the documentaries that have been on recently on Netflix, you know, um, and and there's some some great stuff on there that you can really tune into, and it takes you back to that time and place um, of creativity. It was it was like for me, it felt like my punk music. You know what I mean? Hundred like, percent. I, I, I missed I missed all of that. And like I was the kid at school going in with we used to go to Oasis in Birmingham and buy Raiders jackets. And they did these like gun holster uh, wallets. Yeah. So we buy these gun holster wallets. I, I actually had a flat top at one point, and <laughs> and, uh, and we buy like the uh, what my dad always referred to as the uh, cricket pads sneakers. Yep. You know what I mean? So we we were really completely one hundred percent immersed in it. It was a, an amazing time. So third base, another oh, band I loved. Along, wow. Along, along with the Beastie Boys, you know, um, just I mean, incredible. It, it, Talking like you're saying, the recent sort of documentaries that have been on. If you get a chance, um, I rewatched it again. Um, they've put up the Prophets of Rage, which is the Public Enemy story on the oh, on the BBC yeah, yeah, iPlayer. Yeah. Oh, hearing the like the, the Bomb Squad talking about just making you know Public Enemy records, then hearing um, I know you're <coughs> soul by uh, Eric B and Rakim, and just thinking, all oh, right, oh, hang on, we've just. Got I mean, for, yeah, absolutely, mate. I mean, for me. They were all akin to the to the um, uh, soul singers I was listening to. You know, I, I idolized I idolized those guys. You yeah. know, for me, they were their struggles were so different from mine as a kid who felt alienated at school, and I didn't feel like I had an identity really where I was growing up. Their struggles were so much harder and from a different kind of place, but. I still sort of connected with what they were saying. You know what I mean? It was like an anger. It was a like, you know, 
I, I, I want to be somebody. I want to be somebody in this life, you know. And, and like, I remember the first time I heard Chuck D, like, rap. For me, he was like, he was like my Otis Redding, you know what yeah. I mean? The guy had just such clarity and uh, such an incredible tone to his voice. So precise, he, he so precise. Yeah. Like, his delivery, he's like, he, I, I mean, he's like one of my a- absolute heroes. And I was somehow... It, it it happened that like a month ago, I got to have, like having guest on here. And yeah, I saw I saw that I saw that man. It was just I had to rein it in. I'm not lying. I was I mean <laughs> I was shaking like a shitting dog for the whole half an hour, <laughs> just thinking, as hey, this this little lad from Essex like talking to Chuck D. If you would have told me that in 1988, oh mate, <laughs> it's brilliant, mate. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. I mean, I'm. I was I was tuning into some of his stuff during um, the lockdown. You know, he was doing certain things, and I could just listen to that guy speak for forever, really. Yeah. Because I think not only does he not only is he extremely eloquent, um, he's supremely educated, and just um, just got one of them voices that yeah. just you could just sit there and go, yeah, just just talk to me, yeah. you know, just tell me about stuff, and. Um, you know some of their some of their latest stuff as well has been magnificent. It's been like just a, a return to you know hearing him and Flay like yeah. uh, bouncing off each other. It's just incredible, man. Remind me when we finish this because I mean by the time this episode comes out, it'll probably be out anyway. But I'll give you I, I, I interviewed someone else the other day that's done this insane remix of it. I'll tell you all about it because it's one of the most incredible things I've ever heard. So I'll tell you about that afterwards. But um, but yeah. let's, let's talk clubbing. For track five, the song that soundtrack your years club in, please. Right, okay. Well, I'm going to go for Loaded uh, by Primal Scream. And obviously, the, the Andy Weatherall remix, uh, God, God Rest His Soul, because that, to me, just defines where I was uh, in that space, in that time. You, you alluded to, like, talking about the Stone Roses and the Mondays, and we, we at the time I was a, a, a student up in Preston, at Preston University, um, and we would uh, usually of the weekends if we didn't go out in Preston, we'd head over to Manchester, um, and we'd go to some of the clubs in Manchester. And that song just takes me back to a place and a time of just sheer joy. You know what I mean? For me, university was like everything. I just I. Completely embraced it. I learned absolutely fuck all, <laughs> but I completely embraced it in in the sense of this is what I really feel for kids now, man, because they're missing out on this. They've just had a year took off them. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, and mate, for- tell me about it. My my daughter's eighteen next Thursday. What's, oh, she, gonna, what, what's she gonna do? What's she gonna do I mean, on her eighteenth birthday? It's crazy, man. It's cra- It is crazy, and, and like you know, um, I know a couple of my mates, and their sons are going to like Birmingham Uni, or they're going further afield. And for me, university was the best school you could ever go to because it taught you how to be someone. It taught you how to be be a man, and I'm not talking about like or or a, or a woman, and I, I I'm not talking about like the actual teaching itself. I'm just talking about the socialising. You and find the your tribe, life. don't you? It's it's incredible, mate. We we were in a thing called the Whiskey Club, right? And uh, <laughs> we used to buy uh, a bottle of cheap Spa whiskey every Friday before we'd either head Shout to Shout out to Spa whiskey there. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Unbelievable. It's, it's amazing. I've still got vocal cords, to be honest with you. And we used to, we, we bought these, like, little white mugs 
that we'd uh, we put our names on the bottom of in like a, a shitty biro. So we'd have our names and we'd all like go and go, cheers, yes, well, let's have a great weekend. And then we'd just go out and have a crack, you know what I mean? And um, But yeah, Loaded was like one of them tunes. You know, like when it, it, it sort of all came into place, didn't it? It felt like when I was going out as a kid, all of a sudden I wasn't like on the outside anymore i was i was in it you know what i mean i was a part of it i felt like i could like thrust my chest out and go oh, i fucking love this music you know what i mean and, what, and no when, one was, when was this so when was you like uh clubbing what year would that have been this would have been 90 early 90s i did actually write this down out to try and remember yeah it would have been around let's just try and work this out it's got to be it's got to be about ni- early 90s i would have thought 75, 85, 90. Yeah, I'd say about 93, 94. What a time to go clubbing in indie clubs. Wow. I know, I know. It was brilliant, mate. I mean, we, I, I, I remember like our first lads holiday away was in, uh, was in Tenerife, which I absolutely hated. Um, but it was a great time because like you felt like so optimistic. Everything felt optimistic. We didn't really go to many of the boozers. We used to have this big like... Um, sound system that we took with us and we put tapes in and just blast it out over the pool at night time and just have drinks and stuff and just it was just like such an optimistic time to to be a sort of 18 19 year old kid you know and the music and the music was there it sat to soundtrack that period track six favorite song from an artist from your home county please (laughs) <laughs> oh, okay, let's go with uh, the legend that is Mr. Stevie Winwood and his band Traffic. And I, I decided to pick 40,000 Headmen. Um, the reason I picked this was because when me and Neil Sheesby first got Stone Foundation together, um, we had all these grandiose ideas where we wanted a, a string section. When we played, we wanted a horn section. The horn section came back and is now a staple of the band, which is fantastic. Um, but we had all these ideas. We had these visual ideas behind us and stuff. And one of, one of the things that we did during the night was the band went off and I played an acoustic version of this track with a four-piece quartet. And uh, I always, I always just remember the first time I heard this song. It was just, it was just incredible. I used to love singing and playing it because Steve's voice, when he hits like those high notes, when his voice sounds on the verge of cracking, it, it's just perfect, man. I, I just loved, I loved obviously uh, the Spencer Davis group, but Traffic for me was the band I really got into around the time I was buying like um, boot cut. Uh, chords and stuff like that, you know what I mean? I was wearing beads and I was getting into it all then, you know. It made sense to me, that music did. Was that an important time, that kind of, uh, I guess that would have been maybe a couple of years later when the car, what was this, would have been when kind of the acid jazz thing was kicking in like and kind of the Galeanos and the Talking Lad and that kind of scene? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved all of that. I loved the Jazzmatazz stuff, all that kind yeah. of thing, you know. But like, um, yeah, it was it was a different it was a different time, weren't it, Stu? You could go out into like Birmingham Town Centre, and you had a pick of about five or six really incredible shops. I remember Yo Yo being one, and there was a few others down in in the middle of Brom by uh, Chinatown where you could go and buy this incredible secondhand stuff like cords and jean jackets and all these like certain clothes that 
they just seem to have vanished now. There's no yeah. shops like that anymore. That where did all that stock go? That's what I want to know. Yeah, I think it's all down on Brick Lane. You go to Brick Lane, and there's about 500 kind of. Um, Vintage shops now, all still punting out second-hand jeans oh, and jean jackets. Yeah, get yourself down uh, there. Get yourself some beads. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I need, a good, a good pair of flared strides again, mate. <laughs> all right, for your last track, mate, I'm going to ask you um, to play DJ and tell me a song that many may not know that you would like them to hear, please. Okay, uh, there was there was two choices I was going to go for with this, but I've gone with... You can um, throw to him. You can have an honourable mention as well. Oh, oh, thank you very much. Right, well, I'm going to go for these two because uh, recently I've had these played to me. We were talking about the Weller connection and, and obviously Paul being so gracious to us. The last three records, he's just let us record at his gaff, which has been amazing. Um, and I've had both of these songs, one of which I bought for him on 45, which was Jimmy Gresham and the Garden of Love. Um, and the song that he played me recently was a song called Slow Down by Maverick Sabre and Georgia Smith. I wanted to throw something contemporary in because there's so many, so many incredible contemporary new soul artists out there. I mean, it's, written, it's really rich at the moment. You know, there's some great stuff going on. Um, both of these songs, we had what we called the big speaker uh, uh, playback, which is he's got these two incredibly massive and uh, incredibly amazing speakers up his gaff, um, and we always go, can we have the can we have the big speakers on there? You know what I mean? That's what we always go for. And he played me that track, the slow down track on the big speakers, and I was just like, you know what? When you hear music for the first time, which like it's incredible you never get that feeling back do you when you hear a track for the first time you might play something about 20 times yeah. after and go yeah it's amazing it's amazing but that first time and it pins you to the wall and you just go that's fucking incredible yeah. you know what i mean and that was one of those uh sort of times that's why i wanted to uh pick that tune in particular but also the fact that it's obviously uh, a contemporary artist as well which um you know we're we're listening to a lot of that stuff now and trying to push our sound sort of forward as well because i think that's really important in music in general you know absolutely well we put together a, a spotify playlist um featuring all of your choices and, and we're, we're throwing some of the other songs that we've we've spoke about and we're throwing some some stone foundation music as well and so people can go and uh, and listen to that once they've uh, finished listening to this episode um looking at 2021 as being um a far more um freer and uh, enjoyable place to to be. Um, what are you looking forward to personally, and what have you got happening professionally? Uh, personally, I'm looking forward to hugging people and shaking hands with people. You know what I mean? I was talking with one of my mates about this yesterday, um, and it can't become the norm, that can it, Stu, where you go towards someone and go, and they go, oh, like that, <laughs> you know what No I mean? one wants an elbow, mate. I'm, st- I'm always straight in for a cuddle, mate. Like it's like always, always. It's like you're exactly, you're exactly like me. You're exactly. I'm a cuddler. I'm a cuddler, mate. Um, you, you have to, you have to do that. I think it's really important. Uh, I can't wait for that. I can't wait to tour again. I can't wait for that feeling because Stone Foundation gigs, I think, are always really wonderfully uh, social affairs. You know, people always say to us, "It feels like a family." You know nice. what I mean? People. People come together, 
they've all got that same state of mind, that same point of view on life, that same love and shared community thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they always feel like wonderful community events. And when you've got a packed venue in front of you, and that, that it's that feeling of love. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. That's what I'm. That's what I'm missing. Togetherness, that thing. As regards um, professional stuff, we're actually we've already demoed a complete new record. <laughs> we've only just bought his loving up that last month. So we just thought, you know, me and Neil Shees, we just thought we need to just crack on with this now. And so we got our heads down and, and wrote a complete new record, which we're hoping to get in the studio, hopefully at Paul's place really soon to crack on with that and and, and get recording and, and get that one finished for possibly late 2021, maybe early 2022, just dependent on, because you know what's going to happen next year. Everyone's going to put out new records, isn't they? So, you know, we'll, we'll just, we'll wait and see. We'll let, we'll let, We'll let this new one sink in with people first, I think. Where's the best place for people to uh, keep up to speed with what's happening with Stone Foundation? Um, we've got everything, really. Facebook page, Instagram page, Twitter, um, the website, obviously, stonefoundation.co.uk. Um, so, yeah, they can just keep up with all that. We've got a massive tour at the end of 2021. We're hopefully doing a couple uh, – well, they're both sold out, but – we're doing uh, two socially distanced gigs at the Jazz Cafe in December. Um, so hopefully we will be playing those gigs because I've just got a feeling they're going to let us out our hutches in December, mate. That's my that's my feeling anyway. You know, is is he going to be is he going to be known as the Prime Minister at Council Christmas? <laughs> oh, I, mean, I don't really envisage it's going to change many people's opinions on him that are already firmly made up anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Well, at least, at least I'll, I'll brush my hair this morning, mate, anyway. Good effort, good effort. Um, Neil, it's been an absolute pleasure talking records with you. Um, if it's all right yes, with you, I'll, um, I'll tag you in all the posts when this come out so uh, people that might not be up to speed on, on, on um, Stone Foundation can go and explore and, and listen to the, the glorious music that you make. Brilliant. Thanks so much, mate. Thanks for having me on. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. There you go. Oh, what an absolute gentleman. It was a really nice chat. Uh, we carried on having a, a real natter afterwards and hopefully going to get down to uh, to the Jazz Cafe for some of them socially distanced shows uh, in December. Um, thanks to you lot for listening. Really appreciate the, the, the time and support you've been giving this podcast um, over the last sort of two years. Um, and in them two years, there's been some amazing chats. So um, like I said at the beginning, if this is your first time listening then um, go and have a look in the archives and uh, and dig into some some cracking chats with some wonderful people. Um, have a lovely day. Uh, I'll be back next time. Uh, stay safe. See you. Bye-bye. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing. www.sosclothing.co.uk Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in Southend-on-Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. 
All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. And in addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out, because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast, and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done, is they've given you 15% off. So, if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code, Beat 15, B-E-A-T-1-5, and that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk, official sponsors of Off The Beat and Track Podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. 